Yine Hi, this is Rachel Willis Sørensen and you're listening to the CVH podcast. John is in a basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on a pavement thinking about the government. The yes. Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, Thursday. Thursday, April 8th in the CVH podcast. Thanks for checking in. Um, it's tough to get on the schedule again. You know, Monday, Thursday. It was easier when I was in Europe and I could just have it done in the morning and then in the States, which is like 70% of my listeners, um, had it when they woke up. So I'm thinking about doing things in the evening now. It's not my best time, but uh, we'll try. I'm going to try. Uh, I, I'm... Um, Thrilled to be back home because I've got my gym. I mean, thrilled to be back home for a lot of reasons, obviously. Um, but but I'm, <laughs> I'm back at my gym every day. And that is the only thing that can stop the post-show blues because I'm definitely feeling that. Uh, it was such a whirlwind two months. You know, all this, uh, all this testing, COVID testing, not sure if we were going to do this or that. Every day was like a gamble. Uh, every day we were waiting on our test result to see if we were still good. Are we still good? We still good, you know, getting that giant Q-tip shoved into the back of your head. Uh, every week, it was like uh, two, three times a week where you're just like, okay, I guess we can continue. <laughs> uh, but it was a whirlwind and it was exciting and, and we, we got through our shows and then moving on to Malta was like a five-day party, effectively. And um, it, it, it was like um, a throwback to old life, <laughs> just... Um, you know, friends and gathering, and we were concerned in Malta too. We did plenty of testing there, but um, uh, my buddy Joe would would have these get-togethers at his house, and I swear he had a he had a nurse at the front door giving everybody antigen tests before they came in. You know, we were just we were we were very careful about it, but we did have these little bubble parties, and it just felt good to be uh, doing it again. And and so coming home, there's definitely a definitely a letdown after that. The um, the road life is a funny thing, you know. I, you end up hating it and loving it equally. Kind of, kind of like my fest position. <laughs> my fest position in, in Munich. I loved it and hated it in equal parts, <laughs> completely, in equal parts. Um, yeah, but the uh, the um, uh, the Faust in in uh, Paris has led to a, a mess of stuff, and it's hard not to be excited about that. Uh, not just in Paris. There were plenty of intendants that came through there. And uh, stuff just started rolling in. Um, you know, uh, jobs breed jobs. I really, I don't know how many jobs I ever got uh, from an audition. A handful. Truly a handful. Um, the work I got was always return work. If I could get in someplace once, they would ask me back. Uh, and that's what the agent always said. You know, she always said the same thing. She goes, it's not rocket science. If you're good, they'll ask you back. That was it. Uh, that was all it was. So it was, <laughs> Hey, get in there and be good. So, um, my gym is definitely helping all the new year's resolution. People are gone. <laughs> I don't know when they, when they wrapped it up, but, um, that, that huge surge of people that rolled in right after January are definitely gone. And now it's just the familiar faces and there's even fewer, fewer bros, uh, which I'm always grateful for. <laughs> The local high school football team is no longer dumping the entire team into the uh, free weight section, so uh, yeah, it's a 
I'm sure whoever's there is going to start to annoy me in just a couple of weeks. That's that's how that goes. But uh, at least for now, it feels empty again. Um, not that I want the world to uh, not be healthy, but I do appreciate a, a almost private gym. <laughs> uh, but it was funny, you know. I'm I'm, I'm uh, uh, seeing people I haven't seen in a long time up there, and they're like, "Did you die? What happened to you?" You know, because I I left suddenly. I didn't I didn't didn't get a chance to say any of my. I guess they're friends. Yeah, there's some friends at the gym, just people you you check in with every day if you if you see them. But um, you know, they're all, <laughs> we thought you died. <laughs> we thought you got COVID and left the left the the, the area or something, and uh, so then you end up telling people what you do for a living and that's always a that's always a fun thing to do it's fun to watch their faces when you say that you're an opera singer especially where i am you know i'm out here in the country and so <laughs> that kind of thing is met with a lot of confusion i mean it's met with confusion everywhere but you know if you're if you're in new york and you say that to uh, some people in the neighborhood they're not that surprised they're like yeah of course this is the met right over here of course you're an opera singer that makes perfect sense but down here that <laughs> they don't even understand that that could possibly be a profession like what that's that's your whole job and you didn't do it for 10 months and now you just do it again <laughs> so there's been a little bit of that but it is sure nice to be back up there again, and and uh, I'm way off my game, but it doesn't matter. I'm I'm so sore, but I feel so good, and I'm sleeping good, and uh, all those things that accompany being home. Um, but there is a new stress here, and I had already talked about this. the 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 Van Horns are moving north, and uh, went and took a trip up to D.C. the other day to start checking out neighborhoods and looking at houses. And what I learned very quickly is that no house in the D.C. area currently, in the current housing market, is staying on the market more than three or four days. As soon as something goes up, somebody buys it. This is a, this is a, a seller's dream market right now. I think people are getting more than they're asking. Prices are going up. It's all very uh, intimidating, frankly, because compared to where I live here, it's uh, a shocking price difference. Uh, you know, we'll do fine in our house here, but still, it's um, it's uh, intimidating to to start looking in the D.C. area, to to say the least. Feel like, feel like, you know, I looked for homes in New York and Connecticut, New Jersey in the past, and and I was always aware of shock prices, but I guess I didn't realize D.C. was just as bad. And I think the problem is that there's a huge housing uh, lack of housing because there's a ton of stuff going up. You can see all this new construction everywhere, but I have no time for new construction. <laughs> My timeline is tight. I effectively have six weeks to make a decision and, and get the ball rolling on all that. And uh, uh, if indeed I am going to Paris in June, which I, I hope I am, but um, there's a pressure there to, to get all this done. And, uh, you know, buying a house is not really necessarily a good thing if you do it fast. <laughs> you know, you need some time to breathe with it, consider it, weigh some options, and look at, look at a couple different things. And <clears throat> It's um, yeah, it's sobering because you're just gonna have to pull the trigger on something and not really. I mean, you may end up loving it, but you you might miss something too. And every, you know, it, houses being shown today are just pristine. You know, the the realtors are great about making it look move in ready. I don't know if that's the term they use, but certainly anything we've looked at, just even if it's a 15 year old house or 20 year old house, it just looks pristine. Uh, and so you're, you're, there's some confidence built in, but then, you know, the, the inspector goes through and 
<laughs> and he's got 10 pages of stuff that's not quite right. And you go, oh my God. It makes me nervous about somebody coming through here. This house in Virginia, in uh, Richmond, is only six, six years old. So I think there's got to be nothing wrong with it. But I'm sure, I'm sure there was stuff wrong with it the day I moved in. There's definitely like a settling going on. You know, when you when you build a new house, you're, it's the first time a home has ever sat on that mound of dirt. And so um, they don't know what's going to happen. And we definitely had some settling uh, off the back of the house. And you can see just, it's not a it's not a foundation crack, but there's a crack in the drywall that goes, not the entire length of the wall, but um, a good portion of it. And you can just see where the house is settled in a funny way. And, the, and there's put a stress on the on the, um, uh, on the sheetrock, but you know, if there's stress on the sheetrock, there's definitely stress on something else. You know, the sheetrock is just the result of stress on the foundation, I'm sure. So God knows. <laughs> it's so strange when you're dealing in, in money and leverage, you know, you're dealing in dollar amounts that are, that are huge. And, um, you know, you're dealing with a bank and, and dealing with, um, down payments and things like this. And you're just making decisions on, on the largest amount of money you've ever moved around, uh, quickly, <laughs> which is my least favorite thing to do. I'm very good at putting money in. I'm very, very bad at taking money out. And that's, I mean, that's a good problem to have, but, uh, it just makes these sort of things extra stressful, especially after uh, a year, 10, 10 months of, of, um, our business effectively disappearing before our eyes. Uh, it's, it's strange to say, all right, let's commit to this. <laughs> But yeah, interest rates have never been lower, and I'm only looking for a 15 year uh, because I think a 30 year is is uh, suicide. <laughs> I don't want anything. There's nothing in my life I want to commit to for 30 years from this date. <laughs> 15 sounds way more reasonable, even if it even if it does jack up your price. Uh, it's uh, moving is a is a stressful thing. I read an article and it said that uh, after divorce. Moving is the second most stressful thing a human has to endure. <laughs> and we've all done it. I mean, how many of us during college moved to, moved to apartments every six minutes? And, and um, you know, in graduate school, I moved four times, I think. Uh, but that's, you don't own anything of value. Everything's like secondhand. You don't care if the couch gets banged up. You don't care if you bang up the walls as you're, as you're leaving. You know, you just open boxes and just throw <laughs> the most random conglomeration of things. Uh, I remember the first time I moved, I just had a little studio apartment. It was tiny, but I had 50 opera scores or, you know, translation books, big, heavy, hardcover books. And I came home and uh, I went, you know, I went to school that day and I came home and my, my wife was bragging that she packed up all my scores. So, wow, great. That's fantastic. That's, that's a, that was a project. Good. And I look over <laughs> the boxes on the bed and the bed is, <laughs> it's like sagging in the middle. She had managed to get all 50 of these books into one large box. <laughs> I said, who, who, which one of us do you think is going to lift that thing? <laughs> I only lived on the second floor, but it was a steep staircase. I lived above a, a lawyer's office in New Haven, and it was a, a very steep, short-stared uh, staircase and and uh, there was no there was no good way <laughs> there was no good way to uh, get that box down so that was that was very sweet but uh, ultimately a fail. <laughs> I 
I love that apartment. It had a it had a working fireplace. Uh, I could be in the bedroom, the kitchen, and the bathroom all at the same time. <laughs> but I didn't care. It was my first um, own space. It was my space. And um, uh, it even had a stained glass window in the closet, which was kind of amazing. And um, I, I don't know. I feel very nostalgic for that. When I had nothing, I was probably the most happiest. <laughs> But I would lock myself out all the time. It was one of those doors that if you just closed, it locked. Uh, pretty classic. And and so plenty of times you just forget to grab those keys or you think they're in your bag, you think they're in your pocket, and you pull that goddamn door closed. And you go, fuck. Uh, I never asked for somebody to let me in. I would always leave the window by the fire escape open. And then I would traverse this rickety, rusty fire escape outside this very old building and uh, just break in. <laughs> I did it all the time. Uh, I would just leave that window unlocked. It, it, it uh, I don't know. It would take some balls because it was on a busy street to walk up this fire escape and try and break in. But so I just that was my that was my uh, fail safe. And I broke into m- every apartment I ever had. I eventually had to break into it. I, I I think I kicked in the door of my third apartment in New Haven because I did the same stupid thing, but I couldn't. It was a, a different place without a accessible fire escape or not a safe one. It was like the fourth floor, and. Uh, I just kicked the door in, changed the lock. <laughs> it didn't take a big kick either. <laughs> the security of some of these buildings, especially in New Haven where it was, everything was old. Everything was, there was not a new building or it's definitely not a new building you could afford to live in. And so we just lived in these old tenements. They were not nice. They were they were just, you know, just revolving door of students. There was nothing remarkable about these places and we were just pile in and dump our crap and, you know, a year later, leave the place not not as good as we found it. And uh, that just kept happening. It was amazing those days because you could find furniture very easily. You just walk up and down the street and somebody had just put something out. Be like, okay, there's a computer desk. Great. Bring that home. If you put a piece of furniture on the on the sidewalk in, uh, in uh, just anywhere around Yale University, it, uh, within an hour it was lifted. Uh, we, 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 you didn't have to worry about calling the town to pick up a couch because if you just put it on the street, it disappeared. It was amazing. It was just this, um, you know, before there was Craigslist kind of like free trade, <laughs> take a penny, leave a penny kind of thing. <laughs> uh, it's funny how you're, you can be very nostalgic because at the time it was a struggle you know, rent was $500 a month and I was never always sure where that was coming from. And you would just sort of figure it out and get to that last minute and, and come up with that money. Uh, uh, it was a stressful time, but when I think about it now, you go, boy, boy, you had it pretty easy. Uh, it was just all full of motivation and anger and, and needing to level up constantly looking for the, what was the next thing? What was the next thing? What was the next thing? When I, when I finished school, I had four months or five months before my first job and my first job was in uh, Florida Grand Opera and I was going to go sing the Duke in Romeo and Juliet a signature role of mine back in the early days (laughs) and I was going to sing Mazzetto in uh, Don Giovanni and that was my first job out of school but I had to wait five months for it and so in those five months uh, you got a lot of rent (laughs) It's like three grand worth of rent. And, uh, you know, 
I don't, I, I just, I remember I hung on to my church job, even though I was technically supposed to give it up. You know, these were church jobs that were for the, for the next batch of students. And I, and I hung on to mine because it was the only way to pay the rent. Uh, I just, just stayed. Didn't, didn't, um, I didn't announce to anybody that I graduated. I just kept on a rolling and, uh, it was in Greenwich, Connecticut, and it paid very well. Greenwich was was uh, an amazing place to work, and the people just loved us and took care of us, and and uh, met some very interesting people. And come Christmas time, there would just be celebrities in this tiny little church in Greenwich. And, uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. That struggle is good. I think it's good for you, and and I don't forget it. I don't forget it now when things are are better and you do have some money and you're you got some money in the bank and you're. You're comfortable or or at least secure, uh, you know, weathered the COVID storm and all that. Uh, even though those things exist, you, you sort of long for this time where it was way more simple, just less stuff. And walking around this house now in the in the very beginning days of packing, you go, what is all this shit? Like you just accumulate. When you own a home, you accumulate and you don't throw out and um, and I can be sentimental too and, and uh, keep dumb things and, and so... These last few days, uh, just to just to jump into it, it's it's massive amounts of things going to Goodwill, uh, recycle center, and trash. There's just there's just things that have no value, and you go, why is this here? Why does this exist? Especially in the garage. Oh my god, boy! Just like I want to just close my eyes and and set fire to the whole thing. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's my thought. It would be helpful. Went by the school my boy's going to go to. This is this place is a magnificent building. But it's in an industrial park. And we're driving around the industrial park. And many of the buildings in this area were fortified. Huge fences and uh, barbed wire and two layers of security and, and uh, you know, tire flattening. Uh, if you you know go reverse over this uh, speed bump, you get a flat tire. Like heavy, heavy security. And I forgot what Northern Virginia is. I mean, this is this is the epicenter of the intelligence community, and so there's all sorts of high security buildings. And this is this is around uh, pretty close to Dulles, so it's not like Quantico or anything. It's not FBI headquarters, but uh, it just dawned on me that it was strange that his school is in the middle of this industrial park that is highly fortified. And I just had this thought for a second. What are the chances this school isn't connected to one of these things? And and they're just making spies. You know, <laughs> they're just teaching. They're 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 teaching geniuses to become code breakers so that they can go and just work over at the NSA. That's a little conspiracy theory. I'm hanging on to it though because while we were there and driving around the school. It looked like we were lurking, you know, but we don't drive a threatening car or anything, but um, we're like slowly going around this complex and this industrial, I don't want to say industrial, it's office parky, you know, it's not, it's not industrial, it's, it's big, beautiful, windowless buildings, uh, heavily, heavily structured and fortified, uh, and, and so we're just sort of driving in this area very slowly looking at it, looking at the school, uh, trying to get a sense of things, and the school itself was just stunning. But um, suddenly, there was an unmarked black SUV behind me. Uh, obviously, some sign of law enforcement. You know, he had the he had all this all the telltale signs of a of a cop uh, truck. 
and uh, he effectively escorted me out of the area. Um, he didn't turn his lights up. I couldn't see the driver. Even his front window was smoked out. Uh, but uh, he just stayed very close behind us uh, until the point where I, I uh, sort of left the complex area, and then he turned off the other way. But it was very clear that he was staying with us. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say there's secret government shit going on, but uh, you know, probably there is. <laughs> I had this thought. I'm like, am I handing my son to the spy wolves? Is he going to be an? Is he going to be a, a CIA agent someday? That would be very cool. I had a neighbor here in Richmond, and he lived across the street. An older guy, old retired guy. His name was John, and John's wife was a retired federal judge. And um, you know, I would come and go months at a time. I would leave for two months, come back. Leave for four months, come back. Sometimes I had a big beard, sometimes I didn't. And then John finally grabs me one day. We're both outside, and he grabs me, and he says, what do you do? I go, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an opera singer. Yeah, I, I travel the world, and I sing, and and uh, yeah. He goes, yeah, 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 sure. But what do you do? What's your job? What do you do? It's, and, he, and he's trying to convince me that it's okay to tell him the truth, <laughs> and I am telling him the truth. But he goes, you know, my wife's a, f- a federal judge, so, you know, it's it's safe. You know, it's fine. What what, what do you do? <laughs> and when you live in Virginia, it's very possible that the person living next to you is some sort of intelligence officer. Uh, he truly thought that I was a spy and that I was maintaining my cover. Uh, <laughs> opera singer cover is not, <laughs> it's not really uh, convincing. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's something he could have easily checked. And found out the truth on, but uh, he was he was convinced that I was uh, some kind of intelligence agency officer and wouldn't let it go every time he saw me because I'd go for you know months at a time, always leaving, always coming back. My look would change, you know. <laughs> I had language skills. Uh, he thought for sure that I was uh, some kind of federal federal agent, <laughs> which is kind of fun. You can lean into that. I, I I wanted to be a Secret Service agent when I was a kid. I remember seeing the the president on TV, and I I never looked at the president. I always looked at these guys that were around him. You know, these sunglasses with their with their black suits and their headphones on, and and everybody's looking at you know everybody in the crowd is looking at the president, and and all these Secret Service agents are looking at the crowd. And I I was always fascinated by this secret order of protection. These these guys that had skills, you knew they had big guns underneath those nice suits, and and they were talking to each other in their wrist. It just seemed so cool. I remember. Even when I started college, I went and looked at the application. I mean, there were five reasons why I would never get this gig, and it paid garbage. But uh, I, I wanted to look at it. I mean, I think it was a fifty-page thing. You know, if you want one of these jobs, they're going to interview your your kindergarten teacher to see if you're of sound mind. You know, it's like it was the most in-depth background check. You know, they were going to talk to everybody. They were going to go to your friend in high school and say, "This guy ever smoked pot?" You know, and the second your friend blows it up, you're done. So. <laughs> Uh, it was a it was a an intimidating thing, and ultimately one that did not pay well. These these federal jobs never pay well, uh, but it seemed cool. It's it seemed like noble. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think that I want to take a bullet for anybody. I know they're trained to do that, but when I was young, it seemed like boy, that's a cool club to be a part of. We all like these clubs, right? We all want to be a part of something. We all want to be in this club. I really appreciate everybody who listens. Um, when my show is late, 
like it is right now. I get a bunch of messages, people saying, where's the Thursday show? And I got to tell you, that makes me feel loved. A little pressured, but also loved. Uh, uh, just getting on the schedule again over here. It's not, uh, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm not jet lagged anymore. I've been home for a, almost a week, but um, uh, certainly uh, this this schedule. And and boy, if I've learned anything about the podcast, it's all about the schedule. If you want to keep your listeners, you got to keep your schedule. Uh, I've learned a lot. I love you for listening. I love you for listening. You knew that. Everybody have a great weekend, and I um, uh, appreciate it. Thursday's show, April 8th. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs>